Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast. Join us each month to hear ideas, inspiration and practical advice from people making change through music. These conversations are hosted by me, Anita Holford of Music Education Works and Writing Services. So I'll be focusing in particular on breaking down barriers to music through communication and advocacy, but from quite a broad perspective. I really hope you'll enjoy them. And now on with the show. Hello, it's Anita here and welcome to this mini podcast series looking at how music organisations are responding to the current pandemic. The purpose of these episodes is to share how people in the music education and community music sector are responding in terms of their support to young people. There's a lot we could go into, the pros and cons of online, the financial and organisational implications of such massive change. But for now, we're just focusing on services and support to young people. Every organisation, of course, has a different setup and a different capacity to respond. And there may be some of you who are simply not able to continue with operations. So if that is you, I hope you're able to get back to the work that you care about really soon. And now I'm really pleased to introduce my guest for this episode, who's Emma Coulthard from Cardiff Music Service. Welcome, Emma. I've been wanting to speak to you on the podcast about the fantastic work you do for some time, so it's great to have you here. Thank you very much, Anita. It's a pleasure. (laughs) So can you start by telling me just briefly what your organisation does? It's kind of pretty obvious from the title, but do you want to tell me how you what sort of services you deliver as a music service in Cardiff? Of course. So we're responsible for two local authorities, Cardiff Council and the of Glamorgan. It's um, a two-county music service. We are employed by the local authority and we have about 100 staff in about 130 schools and 19 weekly ensembles and then all the music development stuff and working with children with additional needs and a little bit of teacher training as well. Can you just talk me through the start of this whole process for you? One of the advantages we had of being part of local authority is that we're all in it together and we were very well briefed. So I knew what was coming probably before many other people because we're part of senior management within education. So we would called into meetings maybe two or three weeks before with the chief executive and they were talking about what's coming and the planning. So it wasn't as much of a shock because we were in on conversations to do with safety and the running of the city and how we're going to get school meals out to people and running hubs for key essential workers and things like that. So the first thing we did, most of all, when it started to kick off, was check on the well-being of staff. And I'm glad we did it in that order, because you don't know if some of your staff are ill or if they're caring for vulnerable people, if they have underlying health conditions, particularly coming towards when the school started to close, we didn't want anyone vulnerable out there. So anyone that needed to go home was sent home and I was provided the equipment to work from home immediately. So that was step one, make sure everyone's safe because then you're establishing to the staff that they matter to you. So when it came to the next bit of what do we do now, several staff members, particularly those teaching in the rock and pop area, were already teaching online at home and doing podcasts and doing lick of the week on their guitars and things like that. So that end of the service came into its own because they were already geared up for online teaching. And they were really good because one or two of them have made how-to videos for other members of staff who were more nervous. I've got you know, some staff who would be nervous about opening an attachment on an email a year ago, and now they're, they're teaching. So we did a bit of prep. Instead of going hell for leather, we told parents we were looking into it and we'd get back to them and bought us two, three weeks 
to get a training program up, getting permissions through safeguarding is really important. Mm, um, yeah. Because if you don't do that, then every time someone queries, you have to go back and forth. So we ran the plan around the safeguarding team in Cardiff Council for their feedback. Again, because we're a large organisation, they were already working with other people like the Education Otherwise team or some of the education support teams that would be in a similar position. So there was protocol there. It really did come onto our own that we're part of something bigger. We didn't have to reinvent the wheel about everything. We just had to connect. And then the IT department of the council, again, they just moving us all towards Microsoft Teams. So the general one used at the moment is Zoom. That's the most popular for music teaching. Mm. So we had to check they were okay with that. So again, we formulated guidance and made sure that everybody knew about the security settings. After that, then, the whole issue of personal using personal email addresses and private email addresses came up. So I got everybody onto Hub, the Welsh Government system, which is fantastic because all children have a Hub address and it's a platform that all schools and local authorities have access to. So they have their own access because the schools, again, were already gearing up for using Google Classroom and things like that. So every child has a unique email address through that. So I contacted the education IT team and we got classified as a school within our own right. So I became the administrator of 95 email accounts that I set up. And doing that and getting all the passwords. But it meant then that that gives us free access to Office 365, Flipgrid, Google Teams, Microsoft Teams, all those things that the schools were already using. So it wasn't unfamiliar to them. Mm. They were already in there. That was key. And so you took took your time sort of training up staff. How did that training manifest itself? How did you do the training? Was it peer-to-peer training? Did you use any resources from other organisations that were already doing online teaching? We had a little bit of advice from our colleagues in Gwent, but mostly our own staff were peer-to-peer. So one of them created a really good how-to video. I sent everyone a guide. And what was lovely was I didn't have to drive it after that. They were contacting each other. So they started to set up their own support groups on Facebook. They said all our string tutors have a string group on Facebook and they started to share. So I could start to see who was strong and confident and who wasn't. So where are you now with what you're actually delivering? How did you actually decide what you were going to deliver? Because obviously I guess there's some things like the ensembles that you can't deliver, but the one-to-one lessons you can deliver. And I guess you can deliver music lessons in school sort of whole class type of stuff as in you can't do it obviously whole class but you can still serve those pupils in those schools yes it's interesting you say the order we went in was actually the ensembles first oh okay um, because they had contacts they had all the the, the database of contacts of parents whereas oh, some okay. of the schools still buy it so they were easy to contact and I basically threw it out to the ensemble leaders to come up with some creative things they could do and they relished it um we started off with just the idea of getting the children together at the same time that they would have been rehearsing and doing things like quizzes and technique but then some of the groups have done all sorts of things they've done play-alongs the foundation orchestra did a video and they they edited each member of staff in to say hello and they had a play-along track and they sent pdfs to all their families but they started to be asked now for for parts for the rest of the family to play along Oh, that's amazing. The brass have been very good. So they've been having weekly meetings for a while. And again, they they send out tracks and they play along. They don't play all together as an ensemble. So there'll be something going on and they'll play along to it in their own home. A lot of them using MP3s 
the choirs um, are using Google Classroom and they put upload MP3s, backing tracks and scores for them in there. And they're going, the youth choir are going to do a charity montage, putting in some key workers. I think they're doing What a Wonderful World. Because ah, okay. one, of, one of them is able to do the editing and do it properly. So I'm finding out all sorts of skills that were there that we hadn't been utilising. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's brilliant, isn't it? Finding out what people can do because they yeah, never needed to before, I guess. That's right. And it isn't always just the younger ones. That's a bit of a cliche. It's, it's not always them. Some of the old ones as well. High School's Orchestra had a rehearsal of Beethoven 7, but they, they broke up into sections and did coaching. Oh, so they, nice. Each, each lead section coached. So the string and all the cellos would tune into the cello teacher and he went through the cello parts and so on. And that's to do it with, with Beethoven 250. That's the thing, isn't it? And the, the youth orchestra, they've been doing coaching. They have a support group where they share resources. So they've gone through the pieces they're about to do. They're going to do Schubert 9. So they shared a podcast and had a listening session, analysing the music and talking about it. They've had a bake-off. They had a cheesecake competition. (laughs) So it's a mixture of peer-led and staff-led, which is nice. Lots of different responses according to the particular group. So you're letting the tutors and the young people lead what they're delivering and how they're doing it. And are they... That's right. They know their, their audience. They know what kind of things... Like we've had kitchen sambas, all sorts of things. Are they mainly using Zoom? You, you mentioned Google Classroom, but what, what are they mainly using or is it a real mix? A Microsoft Teams, Google Classroom oh, and Zoom okay. and oh. WhatsApp with parents' permission. Right, okay. And then you mentioned there the sort of traditional ensembles, but also you, you mentioned a samba. Mm-hmm. You run other ensembles as well, so those are continued yeah. as well. Yes, and we also encourage the ensembles to do contemporary music and to do music that's written by the children in the ensembles. Certainly our middle orchestra is very good with that. Um, the transitional orchestra, which is the grade one to three, have been using the resources on BBC 10 pieces because oh, they're already okay. there. And they're really good. There are parts and MP3s and anyone can download them. So that, that 10 pieces project has really come into its own. So that's the, the ensemble side. The peripatetic was much more of a big beast because we've got about 4,000 customers, oh <laughs> some goodness. of whom we directly and some of whom we had to get the schools so we decided we had a plan of action and we had a meeting you know regular meetings and it's taken four weeks and we've just done it in batches one tutor at a time contacted the pupils checked that they were okay to teach sent forms out to parents with the guidance and then put them in touch and got them to schedule and we've just gone through the last four or five now so they're pretty much all set up over 90 percent of our tutors said yes to teaching online which i'm really pleased about that's great and so what's the uptake been like from young people so far is it a bit early to tell too early to tell in terms of numbers but in terms of feedback it's been amazing the positive feedback from parents and more than the music musical achievements is the feeling of connecting and feeling like themselves again because when you play an instrument it's part of you it's part of who you are and the children had been missing it um did have a lovely story we had one very young child who was reluctant to go online was a bit nervous i think about year two and it turned out that um two doors down there was another one of our students so the older one mentored the younger one and they did a duet in the back garden how lovely so, so, so everybody's yeah people are just adjusting we are very fortunate that the council is covering salaries for the moment because everybody's an employee and having that in the background means that we have time to develop so if somebody doesn't have all their students they'll spend any of their leftover time just learning or honing things or finding new music 
and things like that or talking to other teachers. And have they all been delivering online in the same way using the same tools or have you again sort of let them decide? They've all been doing it the same way at the moment they're free to come back to me if it doesn't work because that way we can be clear to parents what the offer is. We've had to quantize or streamline things a bit because it's difficult to teach groups. If you had a group of four in a school, finding the other three, scheduling at the same time and dealing with all of that. So we made the decision to offer one-to-one 15-minute slots instead and have a, a, a flat rate and to charge people at the end of term per lesson. Uh, yes, I was going to go on to asking about finances, <laughs> but let's talk about that now. How are you managing that, both in terms of your contract with schools and your contract with parents? You're right, they're two different things. Luckily, most of our work now we're contracting directly with parents one of the hard things was the calculation of two to three lessons missed at the end of last term people wanted refunds oh okay and the time to do that was it's complicated so we had to think carefully about putting out communications to make sure people knew that before we charged them for any new lessons we would uh, make an allowance for what they had last term but of course working out individually what everybody had it's a big task so in the end for logistics, we've told parents that they'll be charged in July for however many lessons they've had, discounting any they didn't have, and bought herself a bit of time over half term to figure out exactly who's owed what, rather than charging them a flat rate for a whole term. Are the prices the same or are they cheaper? Parents are paying pretty much the same as they would have paid before, but they are getting a discount because they're getting one-to-one rather than a group. Yes, it was a really difficult call because we're oh. we're subsidising. We're doing it at a it's a loss leader at the moment. We've advertised as a ever as a COVID special rate for now because there's a dilemma. One to one lessons cost more, yeah. but these parents didn't ask for one to one lessons. It's not their fault that they can't yes. have a group. So in the end, we decided the fairest thing was to have this special offer because it's clean and neat and let people know it's it's for now. That's a really tricky one. And parents have sort of responded positively to that. You haven't had any difficulties no no No, we haven't had any difficulties at all um most parents feel we're good value for money anyway and that whole thing about the parent being involved by seeing the child having the lessons is really interesting isn't it yes a lot of our tutors never had a relationship with the parents before they didn't know them so they're getting to know the children and the parents a lot when parents are getting to see there's much more value in in what they're doing they're valuing what what the children are getting and the other positives are that children can't forget their instrument (laughs) <laughs> not yeah. wasting time <laughs> they don't forget their musical their instrument they're ready to start as soon as the light goes on and are parents normally in the room as part of your safeguarding do you ask the parents to be there through the whole lesson or just to be in a public uh, not a public space but a kind of communal space yes so the protocol is that we have to use the parents email not the child's the parent has to start and finish the lesson and either oh, be okay. in the room be in the room or be close by and just little things like making sure i know it sounds silly but reminding young people to dress appropriately and that it should be in a a living room or an appropriate space not in a bedroom and this is mainly primary school is that right it's both primary okay what's happened with your contracts with schools for things like whole class or other programs of work that you do in schools we haven't been able to do that yet we have plans because the schools that are running now the hub schools the numbers are tiny and they don't want visitors going in so our plan um which is sort of phase three now is i wanted to do some live streaming which is something i might look at to keep going in the autumn so have a series of you know 10 o'clock we could have a steel pans recital from from wada 
we could have ukulele, we could have all sort of workshops, masterclasses and recitals. We might continue to do anyway, because it's a nice thing to do. And do you have any sense of how those schools are carrying on their music provision? Because I know for some schools, you, you're basically providing their weekly music curriculum almost, is what you've told me in the past. Some of them, yeah. Have you got any feedback from schools about how they're managing music or is just is music not a priority for the online school day, as it were? We haven't got to that yet because we've only just got on hook yeah. but we are going to start putting resources up for schools to access oh. because that's the space they use so hub has a we're part of south central consortium and there's a resource share space in there and that's south central education consortium and so you're part of one consortium which is south central and then there's other ones in other parts of wales yeah that's right that's right so hub is the online space that welsh government have provided for these education consortium and for schools so is yeah. there any sense that you'll be working with other music services in wales to provide that content for schools we'd always be open to other people's approach but we'd obviously be really careful about standing on toes but with resources they would be shared freely amongst anybody in the hub interesting in terms of schools responses young people's responses it's been positive so far we have some feedback from parents because parents are communicating with us more now because there's that relationship so we've had parents email and say they're so happy we're providing a service that the child looks forward to it every week i had a flute pupil who just said that she was grinning from ear to ear and she'd really enjoyed her lesson and looking forward to next week so it's giving them something to look forward to definitely so you haven't got a shape of how many people are responding at percentage of pupils who are continuing it's early days really for you yet isn't it early days and we're also very conscious of the fact that not all children have the facilities at home absolutely so what are the challenges for inclusion in your situation and how, how are you addressing that the council is bringing in some grants to provide IT equipment for children who might not be able to do that, um, that don't have equipment at home. The more we do through the schools, the better. So Hub will be the key there because they know their children and that most children are able to access Hub and get, get emails. Most people have access to a phone if they don't have a PC. So it'll be sort of the next wave. of The plan is to get all the peripatetic teaching up first, and we're nearly there now, and then looking at things like whether we can do live broadcasts where we can have a youtube channel where we can upload videos and things like that and have that have privacy settings so that people can partake even if they just have a phone what about your work with special schools have you been able to continue that in any way or is that part of the next phase i've got two particular singer songwriters that work in the special schools and they've been doing live broadcasts for them on facebook live that's really good in terms of finances, Emma, in terms of the, particularly the work that you're, you would otherwise have been delivering in schools, in classrooms with whole classes, perhaps in the summer, what's happening with that? Because that must be a big dent in your income, potentially. It's just a dent in the income. There's nothing we can do. What we are using, though, is um, we're utilising tutors' time to start working on resources and things that we can roll out as part of more of a multi-platform approach next year. So that brings me on to my next question, really, which is, do you have some sense of what your next steps will be when lockdown eases? And in fact, when lockdown stops, do you think you'll continue these new ways of working? Yes, I think we'll move from where we are now to blended learning. I'm not anticipating that everything will just go back to normal in September. Schools might be reticent to have external guests in immediately. The social distancing, their issues with singing and wind instruments and all those kind of things to consider. So I'm not expecting things to go back straight away. But what this exercise has taught us is that there are a whole load of alternatives and maybe 
having a bit of both or a mixed economy is a really good idea. That phrase constraints liberate keeps on ringing in my head mm-hmm. every time I speak to somebody because this has really caused huge difficulties but there have been positives and particularly in terms of sort of reshaping what you're offering. Any other pros and cons that you want to talk about? I think you t- talked a little bit to me in the past about staff and how challenges like this bring them together. Yes staff have been wonderful and I've got to know the staff a bit more because I'm working from home and I'm mainly the, the liaison person with the staff the phone isn't ringing as much but there is far more dialogue between me and staff because I'm not running around as much and not driving around as much I've got to know them a bit better they're collaborating with each other a lot more and they've been I suppose they had a week or two where they weren't teaching and most of them used that time to learn to learn new skills to do some research to have a think about their own practice it's something that I'd like us to have been able to stop and do anyway, just to think about their teaching. And with the things like with the ensembles and people doing exams and people doing concerts, stepping back and actually working on your musicianship is a really good thing. So it's been freeing that way because people aren't teaching to a goal. It's less goal orientated and more about getting to the point where you're at one with the instrument and you're enjoying your playing rather than, oh, I must get my grade three, I must get my grade six. I think philosophically (laughs) this whole thing has forced people to live in the moment and not be so goal orientated Mm. and do you think that might apply to young people as well that's often such a focus isn't it for young musicians it's can I get a distinction can I get my grade seven my grade eight I think it's really important that people think beyond grades and concerts um, because those are external and as a, a lifelong musician myself the real motivation is internal And we don't always take the time to just enjoy being a musician and understand what that does for us and how we feel about it. Because we're so concerned with impressing people or getting a grade or progressing in some sort of a way. Anything you'd like to say to others in a similar situation? So anything that you've learned so far, any encouragement or any sort of signposting, any resources you found really useful? I would say don't panic. (laughs) (laughs) I was worried the first two weeks that parents would be impatient and we'd have 4,000 emails. Managing the comms is important and managing expectations because of course I wanted to make it all happen in a week and it can't, not with that volume. So managing the comms of putting out feeds on your Facebook or Twitter, letting people know what to expect and what's coming, that helped. The response has been overwhelmingly positive. Young people are learning more, we feel, because there's a focus and they're less distracted they feel listened to. We find Zoom very good. Out of all the the platforms, that's the one that's coming out on top at the moment. If anyone wants our guidelines that we used, I'd be more than happy to share the protocol and all the the, the guidelines to using it safely. But I would encourage anyone to be brave um, because we've been pleasantly surprised. Great. Thank you, Emma. It's been brilliant talking to you. It's lovely to have you on the podcast and I'd like to have you on again to talk properly about all that Cardiff Music Service does and particularly your ethos and philosophy about music education. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Anita. And if you want to find out more, as always, I'll be sharing further information in the blog post accompanying this podcast. Thanks for listening. That's the end of our show this time. Thank you for listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast and make sure to subscribe so that you get to hear about future episodes. If you'd like to be on the podcast or you'd like to know more about me and how I help music and creative organisations through communications, then visit writing-services.co.uk and get in touch. Thanks for listening and have a great week.